Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette. I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And as usual, sitting across from me, I have senior writer Jonathan Strickland. We're on a road to nowhere. Which just goes to show you that we're not a couple of talking heads. That's right. Uh, before we get into this topic, we have actually it's a twofer. First, we have a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Sam, and Sam says, Hello, John and Chris. I really enjoy your show, and I appreciate all the wonderful information you provide about various tech. Keep up the good work. Could you guys perhaps do a podcast that covers how network routers such as Linksys and others work for and their role in office and home networks? That'd be swell if you did. Thank you guys for making such entertaining yet informative podcasts. Cheers. P.S. Is there any chance that the old listener mail audio clip might be played again? You know, the... One with the annoying alarm. I like the new one, and I know it is stuck, but there are times where I yearn to hear the old one. Sam, 
This is for you. Everyone else, please turn down the volume on your uh, your various playback devices. You have been warned. And now that I have warned you, here comes a little old school sound effect for listener mail. But on top of the listener mail that we just read from Sam from Austin, Texas, we also had a little Facebook feedback. Yippee! This comes from Scott, who says, Hey, I was wondering if you guys could do a podcast about routers, the different uses for them, and which is best for gaming, streaming video, etc. Thanks so much. Your episode on IPv6 was great, and the number of IP addresses was nuts. You're telling me, Scott, I'm still trying to get my breath back. So we are going to talk about routers. And before we get too far into this, I want to say we have some great articles on HowStuffWorks.com about routers. So if you want to get more information, I recommend checking out how routers work. Also, how network address translation works. Both of those are going to be important in this discussion. Um, so let's talk about what a router is and what it does and why it's important. Yes, in talking about what value it has to the Internet, let's just say there wouldn't be one without routers. Yes, because, you know, of course, uh, the internet is a network of computers. A it's just a of networks. Yes, it's a, yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a basically it's a vast system of computers talking to one another via multiple networks. Yeah, and protocols. So yes, well, yeah, they use the protocols to talk to one yes. another. Yes, but yeah, I mean, you have you might have only one computer in your house. And it hooks up to, you know, the networks at the internet service provider and then those go to other networks and it just goes on and on and on. Or you might even have multiple computers in your house running on another network, which is attached to the other networks. Yeah. That's why they call it a cloud because there's no definite shape to the internet. It all, it all depends on what's on and what's off at, at any given time. And these routers make it possible, especially when you do have one line coming into your house and you have multiple computers. Yeah. So what routers allow is the transfer of information across different layers of communication. Now, what I mean by that is that uh, the Open Systems Interconnection, or OSI, model of communication divides up communication into seven layers – and uh, really, we're just going to be thinking about the first three layers here. Actually, now I'm thinking about seven layer bars. Yeah, no, I'm thinking about Thanks. seven layer dip. So, um, mm, dip. So the the uh, the the seven layers are. Uh, this was a, a system that was proposed by Charles Bachman of uh, Honeywell Information Services. Mm-hmm. Honeywell, of course, is one of those big names that's important in uh, in computer science. Yeah, they they they've done all kinds of technological things. Yes. So the the seven layers uh, are. Sort of, it's a concept. It's so that you can break down what sort of communication happens between various components within a communication system. And it's uh, so that you can really figure out, all right, well, how do we have these various layers interact with one another? Which ones need to be, you know, segregated from the rest? And, uh, and just kind of a way of defining it, uh, at least from an um, ideal perspective, as opposed to necessarily a physical one. But uh, layer one is what we call the bit layer. It's the physical layer of data communication. So we're talking about physical elements such as pins and uh, the voltage. It's also electrical uh, layout. It's, it's the voltage that you need to transfer information. And really, you're talking about a, a single device uh, communicating through some sort of medium. So this is where we're talking about one 
device. We're not connecting it to anything else at on a layer one layer of uh, communication. Layer two is where we start talking about communication between devices. And in this case, we're talking about communication between devices uh, within a local area network or LAN. Mm-hmm. All right. So at a LAN, you do not need a router. We actually had uh, another fellow write in um, recently on, on our Facebook page. I posted a, a quiz about uh, routers and he pointed out uh, that uh, this is Carl who said this is call me pedantic. But question one, a home network does not require a router to operate either. Carl is absolutely correct. You do not need a router to allow communication within a local area network. You need a switch that can yeah. switch the data back and forth, but you don't need a router. That's the difference. Right. So this is layer two. All that all that communication within layer two, within a local area network, a single network, can be uh, 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 controlled through a switch. You don't have to worry about a router at that point. Now, if you want to communicate to a device that's on another network – this is where the internet comes in. Mm-hmm. The internet is that network of networks. So let's say I want to visit a website and the server that has that website's information on it is not on my local area network, but is on some other network, possibly on the other side of the world. That's when you need a router because what the router does is it controls the, the information moving from your local area network to the internet so that it will go to the proper place. And it also receives information from the Internet and transfers it to your local area network so that you can view it or interact with it in whatever way. Right. So that's the basic purpose of a router. Uh, and it's, you know, when you break it down that way, it kind of it makes it easier to understand why routers are important. Without a router, you would not be able to have this this data transfer between a larger network or, or a computer on another network and your computer. You would just have, you would be able to have uh, communication through a local system, but not through a global system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Unless you had a really long cable. Yeah, and that's especially important for the internet because as, as you will remember, or at least as long time listeners will remember, uh, traffic on the internet goes in little, uh, pieces. Yeah, packets. Or packets. They're actually called packets. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're sent, uh, redundantly. So, you know, you might take a file, uh, say an email, and break it down into a series of packets. Uh, each of those has some information that tells uh, where it's going, um, where it's coming from, and what piece it is. It might be, you know, piece three of – packet three of 40, let's say. Yeah. Um, so it, it tells uh, the network where to send it and how to reassemble it when it gets there on the other side. Well, the thing is, uh, it might say, okay, well, I'm going from – uh, computer A to computer B to computer C to computer D. Well, all of a sudden, there's a power failure at computer C. So it goes from A to B. Oh, it's stuck. Well, in the Internet, uh, it's set up where the packets can be sent and rerouted around computer C. So you might go to computer F and then back to computer D. Yeah. Um, because they can be sent uh, in multiple directions at the same time, and then, you know, with the idea that one set of packets will be reassembled into the file on the other end. Right. And the router is crucial to making this happen. Yeah. Routers have this thing called a routing table. And a routing table is essentially uh, a guide saying... This is where this is the direction you need to send packets in order for information to come to go from this machine and get to that machine. So machine A and machine B, we'll say. All right. So a routing table will, in general, give the fastest 
uh, uh, route. Now, the fastest route is not necessarily the shortest route. True. And it's the same as if you live in a city. All right. So let's say let's 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 take the city as a um, kind of a, a metaphor here. We're going to look at the city as an analog to the Internet. OK, it's not it's not entirely uh, analogous, but we're going to kind of make some jumps here. Right. So let's say you live in a city and the city tends to have a lot of traffic in it. And you may be uh, at you know, your house and you want to go eat at a popular restaurant that's across town. And so. You know three different ways of getting to the uh, the place across town. One of them takes the least number of turns. It's it's the most direct route, but it's also the most heavily trafficked route. So in other words, you could go that way and you wouldn't have to turn as frequently, but because of the 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 number of cars on that route, uh, it will actually take you longer to get there than if you took a slightly more circuitous route mm-hmm. that would have less traffic on it. So in that case, you say, you know what? I know that this is the the direct path, but I'm going to take this more out of the way path. This it's it's a shortcut in time, but not in distance. And the same thing is true on the internet. You might be able to find a route to push traffic through that's going to be faster, even though it's not as direct. By the way, if you happen to live in Los Angeles, I understand that this is a sport. That in Los <laughs> Angeles, if you have a group of people and you have all decided to go someplace, the first hour of your travel time will actually be taken up spending time talking about the best way to get to where you're going. Okay. Yeah. I've that, done very little driving in L.A. So. Well, that's it, – it's – What's required is that you and at least one other person, each in their own vehicles, have to be going to a specific place, leaving from the same location. And at that point, you have launched into the game. Okay. Where then you say, no, 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 you don't want to do that. That's going to take you on the 405. And haven't you heard of Carmageddon? And um, so, yeah, it's same sort of thing. Now, granted, if if the the city were empty, then the direct route would be the shortest. Yeah, but the city is never empty because the zombie apocalypse hasn't happened yet. <laughs> at least at the time of the recording of this podcast. Yes. So, and by the way, if by the zombie apocalypse has happened since we recorded this podcast, I would like to have a shout out to all of our new listeners with brains. <laughs> We're great with the zombie demographic. Oh. I'm yeah. a little loopy today. Yeah, you know, I hadn't noticed. Yeah. So anyway, the routing table is this list of essentially rules that the router follows in order to send packets across the network. And you might say, well, that seems pretty um, stiff and, and, and inflexible. What happens when things change? Well, routing tables are not static. They are dynamic. They change all the time. And what's happening is routers are actually communicating with each other across the Internet, constantly updating this information and changing it so that the most uh, the most efficient route is constantly being adjusted. And uh, they're doing this through various protocols, uh, routing information protocol or RIP RIP. That would be the uh, the the mo- one of the common protocols used. Another one is uh, the open shortest path first or uh, OSPF protocol. These protocols are what routers use in order to update these routing tables so that data will co- uh, go across the network, across the internet, in the most efficient way possible. The the way that's got the best guarantee that your information is going to get to where it needs to be, and each packet that Chris was talking about earlier has data in it that allows it to um uh well allows it to 
the the system to keep track of it. So let's say that you've sent a file, like let's say I'm sending a file to Chris and Chris is on one network and I'm on another network. And uh, some of my packets don't get through. Well, the system keeps track of that. The the what will happen is information will come back to my computer and it'll say, hey, uh, packets 3, 7, and 12 out of the 40 that you sent never made it to Chris's machine. Then my machine will automatically resend those packets so that they will hopefully get to Chris's uh, machine. Now, granted, all this is happening at near the speed of light. So you don't really notice the delay unless something's really, really bad has happened. Um, and so this is all happening in the blink of an eye. But it's happening over and over and over across the Internet. Right. <laughs> um, and, and yes, it's um, just to go back to protocols, too. Yeah. The protocols are basically uh, languages that the routers use to speak to one another. Um, it, it's it enables people, multiple manufacturers to make devices that will communicate with one another and be interoperable, which is, you know, uh, we talked about that actually on our, our uh, podcast about how the internet works, and we mentioned on some of the others, I think we probably did on IPv6, yeah. that uh, there are certain protocols that allow a Mac to talk to a Linux box and a Linux box to talk to a PC and et cetera. Right. So, they're, all, they're all using the, the computer equivalent of Esperanto. Yes. No. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that, that's, what a, that's what a protocol is, and routers do have those uh, protocols that are specific to routers, and that, that does help them balance the load somewhat on the Internet. Yeah, we should, should say, I guess, that a router really is a very specific computer. It's not just yeah. this box that you buy, and you know, it's got lights on it, and when it's lit up, you know that the, the information's going through. It is actually a very specific type of computer. Yeah, a very specialized device. And, and a lot of the routers, like the home routers that you purchase for your, your home network, whether it's wireless or or wired also tend to act as a switch, and what by by that I mean that it allows you to have uh, your computers talk to one another. So if you have multiple computers at your house, you can send files from one machine to another machine without having to set up like some weird email thing or whatever. You can actually send it directly through your home network because your router also can be a switch. It's not just a, a router that sends information from your network to the internet and back. Um, also, when we were talking about information going across the network and figuring out the most efficient way, in the sense uh, of routers, what they they do is they calculate the cost of a uh, of a uh, any particular data transmission. And cost does not mean dollars; it means hops. All mm-hmm. right. So when a router sends information across the network, information may go from one router to another router to another router until it finally gets to wherever it's going. Yeah. All right. Each time that information goes from one router to another, that's called a hop. Yes. All right. Now, protocols, certain protocols have a limited number of hops that are built into uh, any sort of data transference. And that information is stored in the data packet. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's almost like, I'm passing a note in class, and the note can only pass through three other people before it gets to my destination. Is one of them the teacher? The, the teacher uh, accesses the the uh, packet of information that gets discarded, which is very much like what happens on the internet. That's a actually. good point. <laughs> so, so let's say that uh, again. But now we're talking about a classroom. So Chris is sitting across the class from uh, from me. I, I'm on one side; he's on the other side. I want to pass him a note that says something like. Uh, I don't know. Uh, didn't the teacher wear that same outfit yesterday? And so I'm trying to send the the note across the class, and it can only pass through three other hands uh, 
before it hits Chris. If it passes through more than that, then whoever the fourth person is is like, this is not worthwhile and just tosses the note away. Same thing is happening with hop counts. If I send an, a packet of information, if I'm sending a file to Chris and it's going across the Internet, there's a certain number of hops that packet will go through before it hits the maximum number of hop count. Now, that does not mean that the packet just automatically gets thrown away. It means that the system says, you know what, this packet has gone through this kind of serpentine pathway in order to get to where it's going. It's not getting there efficiently. Chances are this packet has already made it to the destination through a, a, a fewer number of hops. So I'm just going to toss the packet aside. Because otherwise, because the Internet is a redundant system and because mm-hmm. it's meant to be robust and it's meant to get a, pa- a packet of information to the destination through whatever means possible within the parameters of the Internet, if you didn't have these sort of uh, uh, discard systems put into place – the internet would become overrun with packets. Yeah. Because, you know, if I'm sending that file to Chris and there's these duplicate packets going across the network, what happens when one packet gets to the destination and the other packets are still out there trying to, trying to get to the destination? You're starting to clog up the internet with all of this data. So these, these, uh, fail safes are in place in order to prevent the internet from just bogging down with too much data. You know, they didn't have to buy a like a digital router and go in and yeah. You know, no, we've got we've got the routers, out. but not the routers. <laughs> Router routers. Yeah, I, um, I had to call them once. It was did not go well. You no, know, it's never anyway. Yeah. Um, so, in order to make all this work, in addition to your router and your network, you also have to have an address, a yes. unique address for each item on the network. And this we've talked about in the IPv4 versus IPv6 podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ideally, you would have every single device that connects to the Internet would have its own unique uh, address so that whenever I want to send something to another device or receive information from another device, it would always go to the same address. And that way, it just it's just efficient. It's a clean, efficient system. But we don't have enough addresses to do that. Right. But each item... And you may have actually seen this when you're going into your uh, computer or, uh, you know, other devices like tablets and, and smartphones that use Internet networks. Or uh, video game systems. Video game systems, uh, set-top boxes, yep. TVs. There's a lot of different devices that do it now, which is, again, part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, that this is called a MAC address. Mm-hmm. It's known as a media access control. And uh, it doesn't look like a – well, actually, it kind of resembles an IP address uh, because it has a series of letters and numbers separated by uh, by colons. Mm-hmm. And th- this is how you can identify, um, you know, say you have been foolish and have left your wireless network open to the public. And you have, let's say, a computer and a tablet and – wait a minute, there are three things on your network. Well, then you can look at the MAC address on your computer and you can look at the MAC address on your tablet and uh, by process of elimination, figure out what the other device is and maybe even get an idea if you can access the uh, uh, um, the router's information page. You can mm. t- you can see what what's going on, how much traffic it's using and and hopefully shut it down. You can even on on some uh probably on most of them I would guess. I just don't want to be absolute. Um you know, restrict it to certain MAC addresses. So you can you can actually add you can on mine on the 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 device I have at home. You can 
say, you know, I'm adding this, this tablet, I'm adding this game console, I'm adding this, uh, smartphone. I actually use Wi-Fi calling on my smartphone, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that and say, okay, I'm only allowing MAC addresses that I know to join this network. Right. But basically this is a way for, um, you know, local networks to identify the devices and send the packets that go to that device. So they know, um, that if you are reading howstuffworks.com and your spouse is looking at uh, a news network and, you know, you don't get the packets mixed up. It says, oh, well, these belong to this address. These belong to that address. And I'm going to be the traffic cop and send the right packets to the right place. Right. Yeah, this this kind of ties into network address translation, which I referred to at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, we've also talked about that in the IPv4 versus IPv6. Yes. It's one of the ways to address the problem of having more devices in the world than we have uh, available IP addresses for those devices to connect to the Internet. Now, for information to travel across the Internet, it uh, means that you have to have an internet protocol address. This allows the the information to travel across. It allows it allows other computers to find you, and allows your computer to send information to other computers. Uh, without the IP addresses, you of course would have no way of knowing how to get information from one machine to another. It's kind of like. In a sense, it's kind of like a physical address or a phone number. If we didn't have phone numbers, if it was all a party line, you would just have to pick up the phone and hope that whomever you're trying to contact is also on the phone at that time. And everyone else would be able to hear your conversation at the same time and butt in. Just curious. Yeah. Have we ever talked about party lines? I don't think so. That might be fun. Then we, we can add that to the to-do list. So – the network address translation, this is a layer that, uh, that, that could be very useful. In this sense, you would have a router that would have a number of static IP addresses, uh-huh. or it possibly would have a number of addresses assigned to it by the, uh, whatever your internet service provider is. Uh-huh. Your devices would not have static IP addresses. They would have like some non-unique IP address. Yeah, dynamically assigned. And, and, and because they are non-unique, that means you can't just automatically tag into the internet and send stuff because if it's a non-unique address, that means some other devices out there on the internet may also have that same address. So anything you request would be sent to all of them. So what happens is your router acts as kind of a postmaster. Mm-hmm. You have this non-unique address. You send information to the, uh, you're trying to get, a, let's say again, a website. I'm trying to visit a website. I That request goes through to my router. My router then replaces my non-unique address with a unique static IP address and keeps track of that relationship within the routing table, within its own uh, protocols. Sends that request out to the Internet. It eventually gets to the server that I want. The information comes back to the router. The router says, all right, this information is meant for static IP address whatever. Now it has to refer to its table and see which of your devices on your home network, your local area network, has temporarily been assigned that static address. Mm-hmm. It then sends the information to you. If the, if you are no longer part of that network or if it can't identify it, it gets dumped. It dumps that information, so it goes nowhere. Um, now, this is one of the, the things that kind of it, – it, depending on the type of engineer – it can really irritate engineers because it, it's a less efficient system. And this is also one of the issues with gaming routers. Yeah. We talked about, uh, you know, the request asked about what kind of routers are best for gaming. Well, because of the network address translation, this can 
slow down uh, data transmission a little bit. I mean, there can also be some compatibility issues, um, especially if uh, the router has to change these the IP address for whatever the device is. Like if you've got a lot of devices that are connecting to this router, there could be some complications. And complications when you're gaming, that's a bad thing because it's going to affect how fast that information is traveling to whichever device you're using to game. It's complicated. Yeah. Well, that can that can mean that you'll get lag in the game you're playing. It means that you might get artifacts. Uh, the game will not play as well as you would want it to. Yeah. So any any device that's using that, you're you know, that's one of the things you got to look at. Like, well, how how well rated is this router for that particular um, uh, function? Mm-hmm. Um, also, depending on like, well, if you are a serious gamer, you probably you probably want a wired router. Uh, now, a lot of the wireless routers also have wired connections to them. Yeah, mine does. Yeah, so you probably want a wired connection, and the reason for that is that it's more reliable than wireless. You are less likely to have interference. Uh, you're not going to find a dead spot. Like, you know, if you have your wireless network set up in one room and you tend to game in a different room and uh, and there are certain materials in your walls, it may yeah. end up blocking some of the signal, which means that you may not have a clear signal and that will affect your gaming. Yeah. So a wired connection tends to be best. If you want to go wireless, uh, the in protocol tends to be the best. It's the fastest and it has a, a really good uh, penetration as far as various materials goes. So if you have a wireless router set up, it's a, it's a pretty good bet. Uh, G is the next step. I would go with either N or G, preferably N. Now, you have to make sure that whatever devices you're using are compatible with that particular protocol. Yes, that's the 802.11 yes. protocol yeah. with with the various flavors, A, B, G, N. Yeah. And so if you have a if you have a device that uh, is running that it can accept G, I mean these are all different kinds of radio frequencies. Yes. But it, it is designed for a G uh, frequency then G-rated? Yeah. And and you have an N router, it's not going to work. They are not compatible. You have to have one that can do – I mean, they're great. There are plenty of routers out there that will do multiple yeah. uh, frequencies. And there are plenty of, of uh, uh, wireless chips out there that can do multiple frequencies as well. But you want to make sure that you do have that compatibility in there or else, you know, you might have the fastest connection – uh, with the router possible, but your device is not compatible. Also yeah. keep in mind, this is also very heavily dependent upon what your internet service provider plan is. Yeah. Because if you're, you can have the, if you have the fastest router, you think of it like a doorway. It could be a really, really wide doorway, but the path is really narrow once you open the door. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help you. You have to have that broadband connection with a really good data transfer rate for the router to even make a difference. Um, if you don't have that high-speed internet connection, if your cable modem or or however you're getting your, your uh, internet, if that is a bottleneck, the router is not going to help. You have to have that too. Yeah, keep in mind too that if your ISP caps data – you might keep an eye on that. Yeah. Uh, do, I mean, depending on what you're doing, it, it may not make a difference. Most people never reach their ISP's data cap. Yeah, I mean, although that's that's changing as people are getting more into, like, consuming streaming video. Yeah. You yeah. know, so if you are watching uh, some streaming video service and you're perhaps you have it on a couple of different 
uh, televisions. I mean, it's not unusual now. You might have a Roku box on one machine, one television. You might have a an Xbox 360 or PS3 on another one. You could potentially have five or six different televisions all consuming streaming video. Now, Grant, that's gonna that's gonna cause a pretty big bottleneck too. You got to have a really good internet connection and a decent router for that to work. Mm-hmm. It's not impossible. Um, it's impossible with my setup, but that's <laughs> because I have a I have a much slower home network. Uh, but yeah, if you don't, um, yeah, that's that's possible, and then that could very quickly run up against a uh, data cap. Right. Uh, did you want to touch on? There's one one issue I thought it might be interesting to touch on um, that's in the router's article on HowStuffWorks.com, and that's uh, what happens when people intentionally try to clog a network. Why don't uh, you uh, hit a router? Hit me up with it. That would, that would be a DOS, a denial of a denial of service attack. Um, and basically, in these attacks, uh, what happens is someone will intentionally send as many packets as possible to the same spot. So basically, uh, you remember we were talking just a few moments ago about. Uh, how routers are aware of what else is going on in the network. Yeah. And they talk to one another and they can they communicate. Well, if you know where there is a specific router uh, and it leads to, say, say you're some, someone who, is, uh, who has a grievance against a company and you know where their, their router is, you can send you know, billions of packets to it. Uh, someone's going to correct me and say they can't be that many, but let's say lots and lots of packets to it in an attempt to overwhelm the router and give it so much traffic that it cannot um, handle it and it will cause it to uh, become, have errors, yeah, basically. It'll become really sluggish or possibly even have it just shut down. Yeah, it, it's certainly been known to happen. And then variation of this, uh, which is becoming more common, is the DDoS, or Distributed Denial of Service Attack, which yeah. happens a lot in a lot of cases with uh, uh, botnets, yeah. where people have um, installed some kind of malware on their computer and someone is running this attack to, uh, you know, basically take over possibly thousands of computers and have all of them send an attack against one target at the same time, right. which, as you might imagine, uh, if you had thousands of computers working on this problem... As it were, sending uh, sending requests at the speed of light, all to a single target. It's it's very easy to overwhelm a single router with that yeah. kind of uh, with that kind of traffic. So um, when you when you hear about these attacks, you can keep that in mind that that there's some router somewhere that is doing its level best to handle the traffic, but is just not keeping up with a, a flood of uh, packets swarming yeah. at it. Yeah, and also uh, on that same note. Because a router is essentially a computer, you can install software on that router so that it has its own uh, protections against such things. So when you hear about people talking about firewalls, there are various ways you can have a firewall, You can a computer firewall. You can have it as a software layer. You can have it as a hardware layer. Well, router is kind of a hardware layer level firewall. A lot of routers come with a firewall uh, system in place that you can configure once you set up your router. And this will help protect your home network system from intrusions, uh, from malware coming in, uh, from unrequested data coming in. So, so sort of a spam protector as well. Um, and routers can also have other kinds of software programmed into them, things like encryption, mm-hmm. um, de- uh, intrusion detection, that kind of stuff. So uh, depending on the, the model of router, that'll, that'll 
tell you what kind of protection is built into the system. And, uh, you know, it's not uncommon to find routers come with firewall uh, software in, pre-installed in the router itself, which is also very useful. I do highly recommend that if you, you know, if you're setting up a home area network and you want to, uh, you want to have a router there to connect to the internet, setting up a firewall is a very good step. It's not just like any other security system on the internet. I have to stress, it's never foolproof. You're never going to have the perfect security system because people are ingenious at getting around uh, uh, firewalls and other kind of barriers. But it does mean that you're going to prevent the overwhelming percentage of attacks from getting to you because most people are also lazy. Mm-hmm. So they're going to aim for a, a wide array of targets, and they're going to be happy if they just hit a few of those targets. They're not necessarily aiming directly for you unless you're some sort of important individual with like a government or perhaps a news agency or something like that. If you have like a high-profile status, then you might have to worry about more stringent security. But for the average user, it doesn't – you you know, a, a decent firewall is enough. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Indecent firewalls are never enough. <laughs> well, I think that's a good discussion on routers. We really pretty yeah. much covered the basics there. And like I said, if you want to learn more, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Check out our articles on how routers work and how network uh, address translation works. Um, those those articles are very helpful to understand the ins and outs of how this data goes across. There's also some great animations and everything that show this in action. So if you have problems visualizing it, check out the website. It really does help. And uh, guys, if you have any requests uh, that you would like us to address, uh-huh, you can let us know via email. Our address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Or send us a little message on uh, that uh, Facebook or Twitter thing. Uh, both of those places, our handle is techstuffhsw. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.